Thanks for tuning in to the Athletic Scholarship Corporation Radio Network. Heard worldwide on www.athleticscholarshipcorp.com. Your source for college recruiting help, training advice, motivation, and more from pro athletes, coaches, celebrities, and entrepreneurs worldwide. Hi, everybody. AJ Hodell, CEO and founder of the Athletic Scholarship Corporation, found on the web at www.athleticscholarshipcorp.com. Also, welcome to the ASC Sports Radio Network. Um, today, I have a coach on the line, Tim Romanello, former high school coach, current uh, college coach. And before we get into dialogue with the coach here, I just wanted to give the disclosure that Tim is in, uh, Coach Romanello is in no fashion endorsing any recruiting service. Um, simply, we're doing this segment as an educational platform for student-athletes, parents, and coaches to understand the recruiting process. So with that said, and the legal stuff out of the way, Coach, welcome to the show. Hey, appreciate you having me. I appreciate your time. I know you've got a vast knowledge here in soccer, something I don't have. Uh, we do have some <laughs> folks that on our on our team that have played uh, at the highest level soccer, Major League Soccer, and, and they help us with um, you know evaluation and, and publication of these student-athletes. But Give us a little background about yourself, um, former player, up you know through the ranks into college. Just a little background would help us out. Yeah, sure. Uh, played my uh, collegiate ball at Lakeland College up in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. It's a small private uh, NCAA uh, Division three college there. Uh, after my graduation there, I um, was fortunate enough to do some assistant coaching, volunteering on the side uh, with Mark Caldwell while he was still at Lakeland. Um, so for the college and my alma mater, and then got into the gig of coaching at Sheboygan Lutheran in there in Sheboygan, and then uh, UW Sheboygan started up a program, did that for a year until I made the move out here to Dodge City Community College, uh, a Division I NJCAA uh, junior college. So I've uh, been here now for six years in Kansas. Uh, growing up in Wisconsin, never knew where Kansas was on the map until I made the move out here. So, well, I, uh, I can relate because I was uh, I wasn't uprooted. It was a career option that I took and left Cleveland, Ohio, and went to Wichita, Kansas. And it definitely was. I remember landing in the Wichita airport, going, "What the heck am I doing?" Uh, <laughs> uh, so, and you can relate. And I know I know the Dodge City. I know that area and. Um, you know, coming from Wisconsin and, and all the way over there. But, you know, they're beautiful people. It's it's a great pace of life. I, that's one thing I miss. I'm back in Cleveland. Everything is a hustle bustle. And you shake somebody's hand, you don't know if it's they're telling you the truth or not. But out there, I think, you know, the handshake's still good. Absolutely. And you walk into a restaurant out here in Dodge, and, and everybody knows really everybody. So when you walk in, um, you know, they, they know who you are, and they shake your hand, they introduce themselves, and, you know, they tell you good luck, and they get on their way. So uh, I know that the people in Midwest are that I'm very familiar with are, are absolutely friendly and things like that, and, and, and I miss the Midwest, but at the same time, the people out here uh, in Dodge City and in Kansas in general um, are, are second to none as well, uh, extremely personable, and, and, and they get down to it and want to know you on a relationship basis. So it's uh it's been fantastic since my stay out here awesome now being at a division one program if you want to spotlight dodge city you know what's their strength as far as their academic offerings and, and obviously 
you're still coaching men's and women's. Am I right? You're yes, I'm, I'm, oh. I'm still coaching both. Wow, yeah, you're you're working, and I know the the head count and and at the you know JUCO level, it's it's smaller head count as far as student enrollment. But what do you guys offer there? What's the strength of your soccer program and, and your culture there? Well, you know, I, I think the brilliance of the junior college level is it, it's set up very very differently than than how people are familiar maybe with the community college system in Wisconsin. It, it certainly has that four-year feel to it. You know, there's dorms on campus, um, there's specific athletic programs that are, that are getting after it, and then you're still able to get that education that's extremely important for those that are looking on to continue their education and, and use athletics as an avenue to accomplish those feats. So, you know, the brilliance of that junior college system is not only that you get that four-year atmosphere, but at a cheaper cost, you're able to discover exactly what you want to go into. Um, you know, you have, the, you have those two years. If, you want, if you're not quite sure if you want to go into education and you're not quite sure that you want to go into the medical field or athletic training, et cetera, et cetera, the list goes on and on, you have two years to discover that, and it's not going to cost you a whole lot of money. Uh, the, the the scholarships of, of tuition and books, and, and if you're really fortunate to get to those junior colleges uh, that offer uh, a true Division One scholarship of, of room, board, fees, uh, tuition, and books, you know, you're really landing into a position that, that, that's absolutely fantastic. So uh, the, the ability to get a head start at the junior college now and use athletics as an avenue can completely catapult you going to maybe a Division One NCAA school like a Connecticut or Louisville or the University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, uh, Oakland University. Now you have that avenue because if you can get good grades here uh, and you can really put in the work um, and you're a good kid and there's a lot of potential, those schools can now notice you and you're going to get more academic money than you would coming out of out of high school straight away. And you already know that, okay, at Dodge City Community College, there's 18 scholarships. You're not going to get a partial of, you know, 9.9 .9 at the NCAA level. At least you know exactly what's going on. I know the women, I think there's 14 at the NCAA level, Division One. Right. Well, we still have 18. Whether you're a guy or a girl, we get 18 per side. So that's really the, br the brilliance of it. If you don't think that you're getting noticed, by the level maybe that you should be at. The junior colleges out there, you take a chance on them, um, you're really going to like where you're able to place yourself if you're willing to work and, and, and put in some of the resources, and it's going to be at a little bit of a discounted cost. So that's really the brilliance of um, the junior college system. Um, the brilliance of, of Dodge City is we play in an extremely competitive conference. Uh, mm -hmm. There's players on an every-year basis that go on to Division I schools, NAIA schools, top-level Division II schools, um, Division III. Uh, you're able to kind of pick apart uh, where you think you're best going to fit in. If you want more of a social life and uh, a quality athletic and academic, you know, you can go Division III. If you want to place a little bit more of a priority on your athletics, you can go Division II. And if the priority is your athletic, um, then that's where the Division I athlete comes in. But the strength of our conference will get you noticed um, by, uh, by those other schools that you're looking at getting placed at. Uh, year in and year out, there's three, four teams in our conference 
both on the men and women's side that are nationally ranked. Um, you know, there's schools that are, are consistently going to that national tournament. So uh, the competition that you play um, here in our Kansas Jayhawk Conference is, is very elite, in my opinion. Um, before I got here, I had no idea the avenue that the junior college could could provide. Um, the talent here has been absolutely phenomenal, and uh, it's well worth it's well worth investing that way into junior colleges. Well, it makes sense, and, and when we work and consult with student athletes and parents, you know, part of our approach is not just looking at soccer; it's looking at the, the sum of the parts and looking at getting your education and what's your net cost. And what you can accomplish by going to a school like yours is getting the core classes out of the way, which will transfer, honing mm-hmm. your skills, and getting some playing time. Because if you go to that Division One, there's no guarantee that you're going to get that playing time or top dollar. Um, so there's, there's different angles to, to, to take it. And I think at the end of the day, like it or not, for the student athlete and parents, the economics of college are going to dictate where you go, you know, as far as demographic and – level of program unless you're going to get a ton of money to play soccer but um you know let's let's talk about your experience as a high school coach what were the soccer parents like as far as what did they expect from you to do for their kid to get them recruited or placed in soccer and i know soccer is it's tough i mean it's the the parents are spending money on camps and, and 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 um travel ball and the expectations of that sometimes are unrealistic but Going back to you, you know, the buck stops at the high school coach as far as not marketing the kid, but really the referral when a college coach calls that high school coach and says, tell me about this young man or young lady as a leader and a soccer player. Looking back, what what were you the expectations of the parent of you? Was it high and stressful? Well, I think ultimately any parent, and I'm the father of two boys here who are nowhere near going to college or even high school, but I think the backbone of every parent wants or has the good intentions for their child. They just want what's best for them. And I think a lot of parents today, they get too caught up in what that price tag is going to be. And I've always directed parents whether I was at the high school level or now at the college level, when I have that conversation with them, even at the club level or, or um, the west region here of, 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 of ODP here in Kansas, when I've had those parents and had those discussions, it's what are you getting for your money? You know, what are you getting per dollar at that institution? And that's what you have to um, look at. How is that coach investing in your son or your daughter? Um, don't worry about the overall cost um, of it, but what experience is being provided. And I think there's a little bit of pressure sometimes from parents on coaches that they want to be recruited or they want to have their kid recruited to the Dukes, to the North Carolina, oh, to you know the Santa Clara's, all, you know, all these top programs, and it just doesn't work that way. Um, and really, because I have – see, the junior college works almost like that high school where – you have them for two years. It's college level. It's a very elite level. But then you're very much a part of that recruiting process on sending them on to a four-year school two years later. So you're kind of caught in between doing you know, the college thing but at the same time the high school thing because you have to market uh, those specific kids too, but you're handling the parents over the phone yeah. is, is what it is. Well, you know, where's my kid going? Um, 
uh, or what schools have been calling. And, and I think sometimes parents get wrapped up in the more coaches that call me, you know, the better their kid is. And, and that's not necessarily um, um, accurate. It, it, it's what is that experience going to be provided for your son or daughter? That should be the most important thing. How are they being taken care of academically? How are they being taken care of athletically? And then are they being taken care of socially? You know, are the, are the priorities being set in place? And, and one of the things that we use at Dodge um, for recruiting is, you know, by the time your year's up, I'm using two years here to prepare you for the next 20. You know, at the four-year level, I, I would hope that there's coaches out there that are, are saying, hey, look, I have four years to prepare you for the next 40. I want to make you as successful um, as you can. And unfortunately, there, I think, you know, there's a balance on, on finding that right coach as well. I think when you get caught up at the club scene, uh, when you get caught up at the high school scene, there's still an emphasis on wins and losses instead of that player development of your team and those individual players that you have, whether they're freshmen or they're seniors and you're trying to get them placed. Um, coaches have to be really careful about you know, where, their, where their ego falls. Are you trying to get these kids when a coach calls to get placed at the Dukes, the North Carolinas, the Louisvilles, the Connecticut's, the Santa Clara's, are you trying to do that for your reputation, or are you actually finding a really good fit for that player? And there's some really good players, um, let's just say uh, Sheboygan Lutheran, because I used to coach there back in the day. There's some really good players there that, yeah, they're technically elite, and they really dominated that conference, but I don't think that Division One atmosphere was going to be very good for them. Um, you know, they needed – a little bit more priority or a little bit more balance on social academics and their athletics instead of making, you know, soccer the, the absolute most priority. And that's because some kids just, they're just not fit to have to take responsibility on their own. Uh, maybe their grades are a little bit of a question mark. So that kind of takes it into, you know, account. So when I was at Lutheran coaching high school and when I'm still here at Dodge today, you know, the emphasis is, okay, get rid of the stigma of the Roman numeral. Quit looking at Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three. Find a college and a program, regardless of record, that's going to cater to you. Not make you a priority and yeah, cater to every decision and not hold you accountable, but what program is going to fit your needs the best and help you continue on what you're getting here at Dodge and and – and that should speak volumes of not only that coach, but then that program, regardless of where it is in the country, regardless what level it is. And you're saying stuff that most kids don't want to hear. You know, today is a, yeah, right. a landmark day when you saw in football recruiting some Texas A&M kids fall off the list because a coach called them out and said, you know, you made a verbal agreement. And and I know coaches do it too, and not necessarily in soccer or at, at you know, every school, but there's – at the high level when there's a lot of money involved, there's some, some tactics that aren't ethical. So coaches do it too when they say, hey, I'm recruiting you and I, you're committed. So a coach called them out and said, what happened to people's words? And, and now these kids are, you know, having a hissy fit about it and saying, well, I'm going to keep looking. I'm going to take my talent elsewhere. And I'm just shaking my head like, wow. I remember when I yeah. was being recruited in football in 1992, I'd give my left arm for someone to say, hey, I want to help pay for your education and come to continue. It was a, 
a privilege and, and you know, it's humbling. To, and, and you go there and you, you have sweat equity. You come back in, you're a freshman again, and kids don't look at that. And when do right. you start your evaluation process? Um, you know, when I talk to parents, I always tell them, don't wait till they're a junior or a senior and their skill set is the highest as you think, and now they're recruitable because it's probably too late because a lot of coaches are evaluating. doesn't mean you hear from them, but they're looking and evaluating and taking their time and making decisions on 14 or 18 players. When do you start that process from your experience? Well, I think you can get them into camps as, as, as young as you um, are either financially capable of doing it or as interested as, as your son or daughter is. If it's freshman year, then it's freshman year. Uh, if it's sophomore year of, of high school, then it is what it is. So um, certain athletes and certain student athletes at the high school level, they can, you know, they can handle the club plus their high school. Um, some kids, you know, we see it all the time today that, you know, they're a little bit burnt out. Um, it just it goes down to what the expectations of that particular son or daughter is. What is that male or female player? What is their ultimate end game? Do you want to play at the highest level? And do they recognize um, what their priorities have to be to get there and what's at stake? Um, so that would be my uh, suggestion to those parents is, is you really have to have a sit-down conversation with your son or daughter and say, hey, look, what's your end game? Where is it that you want to play? Do you have – do you want to play? <laughs> um, and I think sometimes there's a pressure from parents that they automatically have to, to play just to get that scholarship to go to college. And some uh, want to go to the high-level Division ones, but they're not willing to work. Um, yeah, or they're not willing to kind of put in the time or play at the specific, you know, elite showcases or get involved with the Olympic development program or – you know, get involved in some of the other club academies and stuff like that, too. So there's a difference, but it, it, it certainly comes down to those parents and maybe that high school coach has that needs to have that responsibility of asking the, those players, what's your end game? Where is it that you want to go? And then that student athlete has to have uh, a head on their shoulders that they can self-evaluate um, without taking it too personal but at the same time, be completely honest with themselves. Am I good enough to do this? Or am I not? And if I'm not, then what are my other options? Um, and I think, you know, perfect example. Uh, sometimes when coaches and coaches across the country can relate to this, you know, you go to showcases, and I, I try to tell parents, don't mascot shop. And, and I had a buddy of mine that's over at Colorado Mesa right now, coaching the women's team. Um, you know, he asked, well, what do you mean by that? And I said, you, a parent can't go up and see the logo, recognize the school, and shop NCAA versus junior college or four-year versus junior college or private versus not. You have to know the details of that program before you can kind of write them off. So there was a, a buddy of mine from Texas that uh, I used to coach with that I had my Dodge City gear on, and, 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 and uh, he had his four-year gear on, and and we stood next to each other, and we wanted to talk to the same, uh, the same athlete, and the mom would only talk to him. Uh, and I said, I, I told you, see, there's that stigma between junior colleges. Well, an hour later, we had switched gears, so I had all of his school's gear on, and, and uh, he had all of my Dodge City stuff on. And we went up to the same team, the same parent, and all she did was talk to me. 
So <laughs> I, I tell parents all the time, uh, don't mascot shop. Find out what your kid is going to fit best in, and then go on the trust that you have and the relationship that you have with that coach that's recruiting your son or daughter. So, uh, yeah, so that's, that, that's a funny story for you there. Yeah, that's a unique one, and I actually had the football coach on yesterday from Colorado Mesa, so it's ironic he dropped that name right away. He's been coaching for 38 years, started at Baylor, and with a really good segment we had, and it's, it's funny that you brought that up. Now, do you um, – are you real heavy in international players? I know soccer, and I even see it in basketball, and, and through our agency, a lot of international players. But are you? Do you have some on your squad now, or is that a focus yes. for you? You know what? I, I and I've told my athletic director this. I've told my president this. I've told you know some board members in passing when you know when they have asked. It's we look at kids strictly based on talent. Mm-hmm we think they can play then we find out exactly where they're from if they happen to be international they happen to be international uh, the benefit of the international is really threefold for us one I know that they're coming from a strong background where they're playing year-round mm-hmm. it's not just seasonal like the high school because you could end up with a, a US citizen that um, is playing let's just say Oklahoma for example that they're not playing club but they're just playing high school or maybe they're not playing high school, they're just playing club. But that club or that high school season is very limited. So at least with that international kid, I know that they're playing year-round. And they are getting the consistent training where they come in and they have a little bit of experience already, in, in, in my judgment. Uh, the second thing is um, you're bringing in extra money for the school. Obviously, whether you go to a four-year school or a two-year school, internationals or out-of-state kids are going to pay a little bit more money than that in-state kid. So mm-hmm. you're providing a little bit higher income for, you know, your university, your college, your um, that institution that you're working for. So that happens. And then on, on, on the third side of things, I think you're allowed to the recruiting of the recruitment of the international kid. If you're not hopping on a plane and flying to Great Britain, <laughs> it could very much save your budget, you know, your budget limitations that maybe you have in comparison to, let's just throw out a couple junior colleges here, Yavapai in Arizona or San Jack in Texas or Tyler, Texas. I may not have as big of a recruiting budget at those three. So maybe if I know a couple guys that or handlers, like I like to call them, mm-hmm. uh, that can give me access to some international kids, that may reduce the cost that I would be expe- uh, uh, with the expenditures for my international kids recruiting than it would be traveling to all you know 16 different showcases or a ton of uh, high school games. And when you're in western Kansas, uh, outside of Dodge City and local, you're looking at an hour and a half to the next local high school that has soccer. So you're, you're racking up the miles, you're racking up the hours, you're racking up the time. And when you're trying to coach two teams on the side and give them as much attention, um, it can be you know, a little bit difficult. So the international provides you a different avenue, a little bit of income. It saves you money on your budget, and uh, they're coming in with some experience. I mean, not endorsing recruiting services at all. Obviously, you're, right. not, you're not governed by the NCAA, so obviously you could probably speak more candidly. But would, <laughs> would you um, – and the NCAA Division One is very clear about don't even talk to recruiting people. You can't even get on the phone with them. It's it's in, in relation to like 
leave in feedback about experiences. Or it's amazing how the Division One just puts NCAA puts a chokehold on everybody um, except right. themselves. But anyway, um, onto that topic, <laughs> you you know just sit, making that statement about coaching two teams and and travel and, and and your budget's limited. Do you find a value? in recruiting services that evaluate honestly? Do you see a value in some of the, the you know, the data that comes over to you and in in those players? Yeah, I do. I, I see that, that there's a lot of value. And, again, you know, I'm a, I'm a coach that preaches to their players all the time about relationships and having relationships and, and, and that investment. So if you're dealing with a recruiting service, you have to make sure that you are quite clear on what your expectations are. And if you trust that handler, like I like I call them, mm-hmm. um, and you have a relationship with those individuals that you're working with at those institutions um, that are helping you recruit the services of those international players, then I think it can be extremely rewarding and it's going to be extremely beneficial to you. Um, but you have to understand what product that they're giving you, and you have to have some kind of expectation and some kind of standard on the type of player that you're coming in. You're taking a little bit of risk on your institution's standpoint of are they financially secure uh, in coming over? Can they financially support themselves? Um, They don't have access to maybe some of the financial aid. They don't have FAFSA. They don't have some of the student loan access. So are they able to pay? So you're taking a little bit of risk. You clearly outside of maybe the video footage that you get to um, watch that's sent to you and, and back and forth, if you don't have that luxury of going over there or overseas or, or into Mexico or wherever you're going up to Canada to watch these kids in person, you, there is a little bit of a risk because you have never seen them live. Um, and when you can see somebody live, it's always a little bit more beneficial than the kids that you can see over film. You can take yeah. a look at the whole picture. You know, you get to see the whole field, how they interact with players uh, instead of just like a highlight clip. So yeah. I always I always ask a lot of these recruiting services if I can have the full game footage um, so I can see them screw up as well. I can see them move, not just with the ball, but off the ball and, and, and the interactions and the coaching between the players that the young man or the young woman has um, within their ability and capabilities. Um, but there's a little bit of risk because I, th- I think some of that information may be limited in, in how they interact with maybe mom and dad. You're over the phone, you're Skyping, you're FaceTiming, whatever it is now that the advantage of social media, you may only get them for 10, 15 minutes or, or an hour on the phone or through FaceTime and Skype, um, but you don't get to see that regular interaction with mom or dad like you would on a campus visit if you could see them live. So. There's, there's a few risks in taking international kids, one being financially. Are they financially able to pay? Um, and then you have some behavior risks that quite possibly, if it doesn't work out, now you know, you're know you forced to send a kid home that is probably a six or seven or an eight-hour flight away. Now, getting on to social media, have you been in a position and, and you're recruiting a kid or evaluating for several years and social media just breaks the deal for you. I mean, how do you guys or how do you use social media today to evaluate character? Because I know every coach does. Yeah, we we monitor as as best as we can. It is just I have one full-time assistant and myself between the two teams. So uh, what we're able to do is, is quite limited. If we're trying to track down 
um, kids that we're recruiting through social media, it becomes a little bit difficult because that could be very, very much time-consuming. Mm -hmm. However, that being said, we're not afraid to Google search uh, the individual to see if anything pops up. Um, that's as much of a background check, I guess, as we do outside of maybe take letters of recommendation and, and, and talk to as many people as we can to see what their character is like. Um, but we don't have any problem pulling the plug um, on a potential recruit if they post something um, that's absolutely off limits. Mm -hmm. um, being racist, uh, giving slurs, um, you know, sexist, every, I mean, on and on and on and on. There's so many things that now can get you into trouble um, that we have that, those conversations. Um, and the things that maybe, maybe upset me uh, right away initially, I may look at it and see, well, okay, what's the tone like? It, it could be nothing is, is wrong, nothing is judgmental. It might be just an opinion. Um, but I want to know what the tone is like. I don't have a problem then talking with that athlete, that prospective student, that kid that I already have on campus and signed and currently playing for me. I don't have a problem pulling them in uh, into the office or pulling them up on the phone and, and saying, hey, look, what did you mean by this? You know, you have to be very, very careful of what you can say, what you do on social media because you may have the best intentions but can certainly be spun against you. Yeah, and then we have a real big conversation with a lot of our um, student athletes and schools under contract about social media behavior, and it's amazing what's what's put out there today. And I've seen some guys and girls lose some deals, and and you know a lot of schools just don't want to deal with it. You know the talent may be there, yeah. but you got to worry about them staying in school, staying out of trouble, going to class, and staying in school aside from playing soccer, right. um, which is a you know a, a task in itself. What is the um, some of the attributes or the most important qualities that you look for in a student athlete for your women's and, and men's soccer program? You want athletically or socially or? I, I guess, you know, let's talk about the individual, you know, the persona and then the athletic ability because obviously they're two separate things. Right. When, when I'm originally evaluating a player, um, we're looking at, I'm looking at specifically their first touch. You know, a lot of coaches throw out the word technique, and I don't think a lot of coaches understand what the word technique. For us, it's that relationship with the ball, that player with the relationship with the ball. How long, how good is their first touch? How long does it take uh, for them to operate from their first touch to their second touch? And then what's the accuracy and what's their ability, what's their range um, with their distribution and, and how quickly they play? So those are the main things that we're looking at. Obviously, if... Uh, the taller and the faster and the stronger, um, everybody falls in love with that. But you can be five foot, you can be four ten, and have an absolutely terrific relationship with the ball and be very, very, very successful at any level. So I initially look at their technique, their first touch, their second touch, how long and how much space do they require to get to go from their first touch to their second touch, and then what's the accuracy on their their passing ability and what's their range of, of, of their passing ability, their decision-making, et cetera. So we look at that from a technical standpoint as, as a player, um, as a kid. How are they interacting with their mom and dad? If, if, it's a, if it's a son, 
what's the what's the relationship that uh, they have with their dad? What's the relationship that they have with their mom? What's the respect level? Because how they interact with their parents are most likely an indication of how they're going to react to their coaches. So if mom or dad has something critical to say to them, how are they responding to that? If, mm -hmm. um, let's say, if if they respond in a positive way, then then obviously that might be a high character kid. And then we're going to go off off that what that coach says. You know, if, if that coach is uh, highly praised, I, I want to know exactly the reasons why they think that they're going to be successful. Well, what information do you know about Dodge? Why do you think they would be successful here? Um, so we we like to get into a little bit specifics off the field. You know, have they ever gotten into trouble? Well, who are the people that they hang out with? You know, what are some of the other deal breakers that may or may not come across? Um, so that's kind of important for us. And then, I mean, obviously the grades. The higher the grades, uh, the more responsible kid that you probably have in the classroom. You don't have to ride him or her about going to class and how often they're skipping or, you know, hey, look, man, you got a, a 1.8 here at midterm. Uh, you know, you got to get a 2.0 to make sure that you're eligible or you're going to need a 2.5 to go on to the NCAA level. So, yeah, yeah. you know, obviously grades play uh, a factor. But um, I like to sit back and watch and, and, and monitor, obviously, for the technical side of things. But then what's the relationship between mom and dad? And then what do mom and dad say on the sidelines is, is another big thing. Are they constantly riding the referees? <laughs> are they constantly riding the coach? You know, are they, mm. you know, belittling maybe some of the other players? Oh, why are they coming on, et cetera, et cetera, because um, one coach could view that as they're being critical and uh, observant. Another one could say, look, I think they're just giving that kid to create some excuses if they're always going to blame the referee. So, there's a lot, I think, that goes into recruiting those kids, not even not only on the field but off the field. And closing, and I appreciate your time greatly. I've got a, a segment no problem. Um, that I did not send you any questions ahead of time. We didn't talk about it. Um, kind of no, call it, I kind of call it the penalty kick, where you get uh, some tough questions here, a tough situation. You can kind of opt out okay. of it. Um, Number one question for you is your top challenge as a player. What was the, you know, one of the toughest things you had to overcome as a player? It be at high school, college, whatever, you know, level. Fitness, fitness. It, it was maintaining an elite fitness mark. Mm. Um, the more fit you are, um, the higher level that you're able to push yourself to. The the easier it is to last ninety minutes. Um, I just. Not that I wasn't fit, it just I could have been a lot fitter if I would have understood um, just how important that aspect was. How about as a coach, toughest challenge? Toughest, uh, finding that balance of make, keeping your program based on business because you want to be successful and, and being able to cut ties with maybe people that are going to hold you back and still having and, and maintaining that priority of uh, protecting that individual, giving that individual um, as much time and attention that they need to be successful. I mean, we're dealing with 17, 18, 19-year-old kids. They're going to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. But how many chances are too many chances? And, and, and sometimes uh, a coach 
like myself that that really provides a family atmosphere sometimes uh, I go above and beyond when I probably should have just cut ties with that individual uh, to save me a lot less stress yeah yeah and I, that's great great feedback the last thing and then we'll we'll close this out um, best advice for this recruiting process and college selection to a parent and to a student athlete what's your your number one number two advice to a parent and student athlete dealing with this recruiting and, and college selection process I, I've hit on it um, earlier, and it's finding a program that fits your needs. Don't go to a program based on the name. You can't go there and, and be happy with, with sitting. I don't think anybody wants to do that. Go to a program that's going to fit your needs where you can make an impact immediately. Um, if you do have to sit in a, a, a year, I understand that, but Go where it's going to fit you the best and make sure that you're going somewhere that you're being looked after. Um, when selecting a college, uh, don't be afraid to ask questions. You want to know what's going on. You want to know what you're investing in. So that would be my advice on, on picking a college and going through that process. I think the advice you just gave us, it mirrors exactly what we preach every day. It's amazing because in, in this industry and in the marketing of student athletes and consulting, you never get a parent or a student athlete, like you said, they're mascot chasing. They don't come and say, hey, guys, can you help us go D2, <laughs> JUCO, D3? It just never happens. It doesn't right. come out of their mouth. It's always D1 bound, hashtag D1 right. bound, everybody. But then when it's time to actually do the work, they don't want to do it. So what I always say to when I deal with a student athlete is, let's put it this way. You get a scholarship opportunity at USC to play your sport, but you're never going to see the field or court or whatever you're playing. Or your second option is go somewhere smaller school. Maybe it's D2, maybe it's JUCO, maybe it's D3, NAI, whatever the case is, but you have a healthy environment. You, you're, you're happy with the environment, your teammates, your second father, who's the coach, and you get a chance to play. Which one would you do? And you'd be amazed that every kid says, I want to play. And I think a well, lot of is it that, is expectation of the parents or the pressure, but all, generally the kids, when it all shakes out, just want to play and have the experience and not sit. Like absolutely, and, and and not to interrupt you, but if does a coach want a kid that's been in their program that maybe has five or six games coming in as a junior, or is that program, whether it's top Division One or Division Two, regardless of where it is? Or is that coach looking for a, an incoming transfer junior from a junior college with 40 to 50 games under their belt um, and is already proven in the classroom? So, and I would, I would like to probably side with that coach that's going to bring in the player with experience that maybe not has been a part of, of that specific program, but you know that they can play. You know that they've played at a high level, and you know that they have that experience. Coach, I greatly appreciate your time. I know you're a busy guy, especially coaching <laughs> two men's and women's. Um, content was great. Um, I greatly appreciate it. What I'll Thanks for tuning in to the Athletic Scholarship Corporation Radio Network. Heard worldwide on www.athleticscholarshipcorp.com. Be sure to tune in next week for more college recruiting help, training advice, motivation, and more from pro athletes, coaches, celebrities, and entrepreneurs worldwide.